Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we come to the end of this little book of Ruth, uh, I don't know about you, but I've loved it. Uh, one of the highlights as we've traveled through this little story of Ruth uh, has actually been the conversations that have happened after the service uh, that I've been a part of or 
eavesdrops in, uh, just the way in which people, either who are reading Ruth for the first time or the hundredth time, just amazed at how God is speaking to them, showing things about himself and his word. And so anyway, I've loved it. Next week we kick off uh, the Gospel of Luke until Christmas. Well, the ending of a story can either make it or break it. I'm a fan of the director M. Night Shyamalan, who has made a number of films. Uh, The Village, Signs, Lady in the Water, all interesting ideas, interesting concepts. But you get to the end of the film, and it's a terrible ending. Such a leapt out, except for one film of his, The Sixth Sense. You get to the end of that film, and it's been 19 years since it premiered, but I still can't tell you the ending, because it is so, you know, I love it. It's such a twist at the end of that film, I see dead people. That made the film for me, that ending. But when it came to the end of the story of Ruth, you may think that is the worst ending to a book. Sandal swapping and a genealogy. Not all that riveting. But if you look again at the ending to this little story, it is actually one of the most grand, climactic endings to a story I know. Uh, Previously in Ruth, if you haven't been with us, what has happened is this. Naomi and her husband and her two boys head to Moab. They walk away from God. And there, they, their sons marry Ruth and Orpah. And then all the men die in the family. Naomi comes back and encourages her daughter-in-laws to stay where they are, but Ruth comes, Orpah doesn't. And when they get to Bethlehem, Ruth works hard, and Boaz is very generous to her. Naomi has an idea. And she gets Ruth to go to Boaz and say, I want you, Boaz, to propose to me. And I say, Yes. And so Boaz does, except there's a problem. There's another man. And that's where we are in chapter 4, right? Now turn with me to page 227 if you've closed it. Chapter 4, verse 1, begins like this. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Now the town gate, just so you know, is, is the equivalent of the public square where business was done. And Boaz goes there on a mission. And the guy he wants to see is there. Now we don't know his name. We're going to call him Mr. So-and-so, right? He, he is nameless. All we know about this guy is one thing. He is the guardian redeemer. Now that phrase may be confusing to you. You might not sure what it is. Let me explain. To God's people in the Bible, land was very important. Not the way my nunna, my Maltese grandma, talked about land to me, right? She said, James, buy lands, not stocks. You can't see them. Land you can see, buy land, right? That was the migrant mentality she gave to me, right? That, that, it's not that kind of idea. Land to God's people was important because when God made the promise to Abraham all those years prior, He said he would make a people for himself and bring them to the promised land. Now, this land that he gave them was a gift. 
It wasn't for their own personal advancement. It was for them to bless others with. And they weren't to sell it off. It was to stay within the family. But natural disasters happen. Death happens. Poverty happens. And so sometimes God's people would need to sell their land. So God set up a system in the law as a way of stopping this from happening. On the screen is a verse from Leviticus, chapter 25. It says in verse 25, if one of your fellow Israelites, I think it's on the screen, is it? Might be on the screen. Yeah, there it is. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. What's it saying is the nearest relative is to come and to pay the price to free that person, to free, to bring back the land. So let's say, for example, if someone in God's people fell into financial distress, the guardian redeemer would come and pay that debt to have the land back. Other examples include if someone was in debt and they sold themselves into slavery to pay their own debts, a guardian redeemer would come, pay the debt, and free that person from slavery. Another example is that if a father died in the family, that father was childless, then a guardian redeemer would come, marry the widow to have a child so that the family name could continue. Now, this is not out of the blue for God's people. It actually reflects the God who made these laws. In Exodus, God is pictured as a redeemer who redeems his people from the oppression of the Egyptians who are enslaving them. And he frees them, and he redeems them, and he buys them back. So with that in mind, let's get back to the story. Verse 2. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to her relative, Elimelech. I thought I should bring it to your atten- the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Now notice the way Boaz is going about this. He's doing it publicly, transparently, in the light. Very different to the way Naomi went about it in the previous chapter, isn't it? She wanted this to happen in the cover of darkness, quickly. She wanted it to happen on the threshing floor, out of town, out of sight. But Boa is a man of integrity, and he wants it to happen at the town gate, witnesses present, slows it down. There's going to be decisions in your life that you'll make, investments, Choices at work. And you're either going to be like Naomi. Cut corners. Get it done quickly. Who cares about the process? Or Boaz. Slowing it down. Going about it the right way. The question is, do you trust God in your decisions in being transparent about them? Because what Boaz is doing is a risk, isn't it? And that risk backfires. 
Because Mr. So-and-so says, verse 4, I will redeem it. And you can almost hear Boaz's heart sink. But he's not a fool, is he, Boaz? Quite a wise man. He's left out one bit of crucial information, Ruth. You could say in his negotiations he was ruthless. I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. It's been a long week. But anyway, my boss is on holidays, so, you know, I'm going crazy. But um, verse 5, let's have a look what he says. On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Jesus said, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And Boaz is being honest, but he's also being intentional when he says what. As Proverbs 12 says, wise people don't tell everything they know at once. Boaz is saying to Mr. So-and-so, if you want to redeem the land, that's great, but it also means redeeming Ruth too. You can't have the benefit without the cost, right? And this guy, he knows it. What does he say, verse 6? Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem yourself. I cannot do it. For Mr. So-and-so, in marrying Ruth was too great a risk. He doesn't have a problem with her character or her faith. But it's where she's from. She's from Moab. And why it would be endangering his estate is because of this. Because in redeeming the land and redeeming Ruth, it would be mean marrying Ruth and having a child with her. And that means Moab blood would be in his bloodline. And for him, that was too much of a risk, too much shame attached. And so he walks away. It's interesting, this book of Ruth. It begins and ends with pairs. The first pair is Ruth and Orpah, who get the opportunity to come to the God of Israel, to cling to him, and Ruth does, and Orpah walks away. At the end of the book, you got this proposition of clinging to Ruth, and Boaz does, and Mr. So-and-so walks away. Now, in both cases, they're good options, right? They, they, it's a, there's something good in front of them. The God is our Ruth. These are good things, but the, the cost is too great. And nine times out of ten, if you were to walk away from Jesus, you'll do it not because he's good or gracious or loving or merciful, but you do it because the cost is too great. That when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, that bites a little too hard. So Mr. So-and-so says, buy it yourself, Boaz. And the deal is sealed. Verse 7. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Now, before you judge, right, and think that's weird, you know, you get worried about tinea or all that kind of thing. It's unusual, right? But you think about when we seal deals, what do we do? A little squiggle, sign our name, 
I mean, that's weird, isn't it? You just sort of like, apparently, you know, you, little signature, and boom, locked in stone. They swap sandals, we do a little squiggle. The point is this the deal is done and it cannot be broken. And Boaz announces to everyone Today you are witnesses that I have bought Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilon, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. See, Mr. So-and-so did not do what he was called to do, but Boaz steps up. He redeems the land, and he redeems Ruth. And in doing so, he does endanger his own estate. It costs Boaz because all of his wealth, all of his inheritance is going to be passed on to the child that he has with Ruth. And embracing Ruth means every time they see Boaz, you know what they're going to think? Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite. A foreigner. Boaz knows this. But he redeems her. And says, Ruth... I don't want to be just gracious to you, generous to you as a once-off. But I want you to become part of my family so that you can experience the assurance, the blessing, the inheritance, not just as a one-off, but from this day forward. And so Boaz marries Ruth they have a boy named Obed. But that's not the end of the story, is it? There's no full stop there. No happily ever after. Something interesting happens in the story. Have a look at verse 13. It's an interesting verse. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. This is the interesting bit. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you with a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Now, they're talking about a guardian redeemer, but these women aren't talking about Boaz anymore. You know who the guardian redeemer is they're talking about? A son, Obed. Boaz is put to the side, and now the focus turns to the child. Now, this is a normal thing as a parent, right? My son Thomas is two months old, and walk into a room, he gets the attention. About 10 minutes later, they'll say, oh, hello, James. Been there the whole time, right? You just get ignored, right? But that's not what's happening really here. Something actually more significant is happening. See, though Boaz is the one redeeming, The son will bring redemption. Through this son, redemption will come. See, on one level, the women are just excited that a child has been born. The hope of a new generation. But on another level, as Naomi holds this baby boy, she would have never have guessed of how significant a role he would play in her people's history. 
Because he, as it says, verse 21, is the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David. See, you may think ending with a genealogy is a dud of an ending, but look where it lands. See, the narrator is getting you to step back. The camera is panning further and further back and saying this story doesn't end here, but it points to another story. It points to a king, King David, and saying this boy Obed would be the father of that king, the great-grandfather of that king. And that king was the, one of the greatest kings in all of God's people's history. But you know what's interesting? When you get to that king and read his story, that narrator gets you to pan back and back and points to another story, the son of David, that through his line, one would come called the Messiah, the king of kings. You know, all, uh, the, uh, tomorrow, right, is my wife's birthday. And the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to my oldest daughter, Audrey, about the presents we're going to get, mum. And, and she's been very excited each day. Can today, I said, can, can we give it to her today? No, no, we've got to wait. We've got to wait. And she gets excited with each day. I feel like I'm experiencing what she's experiencing going through Ruth. Because each chapter, I want to get to this point. Because this is the climax. This ending is the reason why you'll tell Ruth again and again and again why it is here in the Bible. Because if we thought the way Boaz redeems and loves Ruth is amazing, that is just a taste. That is entree to compare to what will come through Ruth and Boaz, who their great, 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 great grandson would be. That he would be a redeemer. The ultimate redeemer, not just of a, a land or a family, but of the world. Where Jesus Christ looks at us who are in need and he says, I will step up and redeem you. I will step up, take the cost and redeem you. The cost is not endangering his estate. You know what the cost was? What does it say in Ephesians? Through his blood we have redemption. He gives up his life, sheds his blood so that you and I can be brought near, redeemed, and experience all the blessings that come with that. We don't deserve it, but yet he redeems us. As the story of Ruth closes, it's not the last time we see the names of Ruth and Boaz in the Bible. They pop up once more. You know where it is? In a genealogy. As Matthew's gospel opens, the grand beginning of that gospel, there you see Ruth and Boaz. I've realized, right, my parents are getting old. You know how I've realized it? They've logged on to Ancestry.com. I like that's a marker of getting old. Anyway, I was signing them up to the DNA test. 
uh, and I uh, come across a story on that website. And uh, it was a story of a guy who was doing, uh, looking into his ancestry for his family, on behalf of his family. He came to 1744, Scotland, and he looked at his great-great-great-great-grandfather and he saw who he married. And the record said she worked in a tavern, which meant one thing, she was a prostitute. Now, he did not like that. So when he told the family who, who that person was married to, he said, quote, a typical Puritan woman. He wanted a pristine ancestry. Jesus doesn't. You look at the ancestry of Jesus in that Matthew's gospel in chapter one, and there's Jacob the deceiver. There's Rahab the prostitute. There's David the adulterer, and there's Ruth the Moabite. God doesn't prune the embarrassing limbs off the family tree. No, no, no. They're there. They're part of the lineage of the king of kings. So you may feel if you came to God, he'd be so embarrassed about you put you in the back somewhere, hide you. But have a look at Ruth and the story of Ruth. Because through it, Jesus is saying to you, though you may feel like no one wants to associate with you, God does. And he wants you to be part of his family. That you may have a shameful past, but Jesus in redeeming you says, I am not going to be ashamed of you. Though you may be afflicted, Jesus says, you are not ineffective. Though you may be damaged, you are not done. In him, it says in Ephesians, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. When it comes to the story of your life, wonder how it will end. Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, they're ordinary people, aren't they? Doing ordinary things. Yet they get kept caught up in something eternally significant because their story looks beyond itself to another story, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And the story of your life, like my life, it's gonna be ordinary, right? Rarely do any of us do anything extraordinary. It's gonna be ordinary. But what will make your life significant is not your job, is not your relationships, it's not the holidays you go on. What will make your life significant is does it look beyond itself to the story? of the great Redeemer. Because you need a Redeemer. I need a Redeemer. Because we've got a problem bigger than bankruptcy or debt, but sin, our sin. And Jesus steps up and says, I will take it. I will count the cost. I will shed my blood to redeem you, to forgive you, to bring you in. So will you come to this Redeemer?
Will the story of your life look beyond itself to the story of the ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ?